And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and that's Randall Carlisle. And Randall, you'll recognize as being the guy who used to come into your living room twice a night. And twice was a it, night. And you were invited. And I was invited. Unfortunately, a lot of people fell asleep looking at me. So that's <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> there was a rumor as kids that the newsmen could look through their TV and see us. <laughs> That, thank thank yeah. God it's false. Okay, well, just, <laughs> I just wonder. Can you imagine if you were on TV and you're you're reading the teleprompter and you can see somebody falling asleep and say, "Hey, you, you know, wake up, <laughs> you know, wake up! I've got this an important is a really story. important story." <laughs> yeah, right. What's the biggest mistake that you made on teleprompter? I didn't make any on. Uh, I, I was brighter. I've seen. Well, if you watched Anchorman, you sure. saw him. They wrote a script and he read it that he shouldn't have. I have worked with somebody who. Because everything's scripted out, and it'd be like, good evening, I'm Randall Carlyle, good evening, I'm Kimberly Perkins, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it's written there, and I worked with one anchor, and I'm not going to name his name because people here would know him, but a different name was written in for when he was supposed to say, and I'm so-and-so. Something would. And he, <laughs> and he read the other person's name, and then he's, no, I'm not, no, it, it's not I'm so-and-so. Brilliant. But, it, it, I never did that, okay? So you were very smooth. And did you read all your scripts? Did you write all your scripts? I wrote all my scripts, so I so I knew what. So you'd put them in the television. Although, the, you know, some the producers, there, there was a pecking order as to who could change a script after the anchor looked it over and changed it or whatever. And there still were people higher up who could change it, who could throw in something like they did on Anchorman. So uh, my guys... If I came to that word, you know, that he said when he was saying goodnight to San Diego, I, I would have seen that word ahead of time and probably not read it. Okay, so, well, that, that's very yes, good. Because I wouldn't have worked in TV as long as I did. So, so Randall, yeah. since retiring from TV, you now are at Odyssey House, loving life. And the purpose of this show is to talk to people, interview people in the community with the subject of addiction in mind, but a lot of great stories out there of people who have had addiction issues and beaten it. And we've met through the first 14 shows some great people. And With that in mind, Randall, who are we talking and, to? Well, today? and the fact that there's recovery. So we don't didn't want to just do a podcast about Odyssey House, uh, but there are so many different people working in so many different ways in the recovery movement. And one that we haven't talked about is something that you and I hate is Exercise. Oh. <laughs> but Scary so word. this is Blue Robinson, and he started a program called Addict to Athlete. Mm -hmm. So tell us how it started and how yeah. long it took to grow it and why. I mean, we're in recovery, but and we don't run, but... Uh, yet. You don't run see, yet. Listen, well, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I still play hockey. There you and, go. And in, in Utah... Beer and hockey don't go together, but in, they don't, yeah. in Canada and the other 49 states, they do. Oh, yeah. And it's standard issue. Yeah, it's exactly. Absolutely. Before absolutely. and after the game. So but, tell us, so addict to athlete. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a, it's an interesting name. How did you come up with it? How did it start? What? Kind of a funny story, actually. Um, I was working down as a therapist at Utah County Division of Substance Abuse in 2011. And uh, as a primary therapist, part of our program was that the clients needed to go and do at least three community meetings outside of their regularly scheduled, you know, therapeutic, you know, schedule outside in the community. So they do 12-step groups and all that kind of stuff. Well, 
one day I was coming back from lunch and I noticed all my clients were kind of huddling by the back of a pickup and I'm like, yeah, they're up to no good, right? This is probably not good. No, no that's what I thought. So I snuck over there and I gave them the, what are you guys doing? Kind of spooked them a little bit. And they were actually like uh, forging their, their 12 step sign off sheets and, you know, to turn them in. And I'm like, you guys, what are you doing that for? I'm like, it's there to help you. And they were kind of giving me all the, you know, standard issue things. Oh, I don't have time and all this kind of stuff. But one, one of them kind of just made, made mention that that's doesn't, it's not something that's working directly for me. It's like, I kind of find it hard to wrap my head around. And so I took that kind of like thought of, well, what else is out there? And there's, there wasn't much in Utah County other than the basic standard 12 step meetings. <clears throat> and they're great. They're, they're fantastic. But some people have a hard time with them. So in my own recovery, my own sobriety pursuits, I found mountain biking and recreation and health. And when I married my wife, her family was very much into running. And so I started doing that and doing races and it kind of built up my confidence and my esteem. And so I just had an idea. What if we did a couch to 5k with some of my clients to see if this would work to just give them something different to do. So I approached my supervisors and they all thought I was crazy because people that are in active recovery aren't the healthiest bunch of people. But they gave me their blessings and we trained for what was called the Chase the Mayor 5K in Provo. And the, mo the funniest thing about this race was it started right out, uh, right out in front of our, our, our building, starting line. So we, we tracked this and we'd train and we'd do all these uh, exercises and stretching. But the funny thing happens as we were training these five athletes, these five people in recovery, to start running and do this race, chase the mayor, um, they started talking to me about all kinds of therapeutic issues. They started getting into deeper stuff. And I was kind of thinking, why are they telling me all this stuff about you know, their life and about their trauma out here in the open and not in my office that I've been taught to have feng shui and waterfalls and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> nice lighting. And it was the funniest thing because they would, they'd talk to me about all kinds of stuff that they never would before. And I thought, well, we're doing something here. We trained them up for about a month and we got them ready for the 5K. And right before we started this 5K, one of our, our athletes, his name was Tyson, he handed out these shirts that said Addict to Athlete. That's kind of the name that we, that we chose. And it means moving from one to another. And uh, we chose the Roman numeral two because in the, uh, the Roman numeral system, they don't use zero. The lowest you can be in the Roman numeral system is one. So once you add something to that, the two, you know, Addict to Athlete, you can build upon that. So there's a foundation there. So there was some symbolism and stuff there, but I said, if you guys wear these shirts, just know that you're no longer anonymous because that's something they really push, the anonymity of it all. And they're like, we don't care. We want to show what we're doing. So they all lined up. They gave Mayor John Curtis a two-minute head start, and that was, I guess, the trick was to chase him down and maybe pat him on the behind as you run by. I don't know. But he got a two-minute head start, and then they said, go, and all my athletes took off. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, here goes nothing. And uh, the funniest thing happened, though, is as our <clears throat> athletes caught the mayor, and all but one caught him, um, Mayor Curtis, he looked at their shirt and said, Addict Athlete, what is that? And uh, for the first time, this, this client of mine, Tyson, he was now able to talk to the mayor of Provo about heroin addiction and how he's overcoming it. He's using this group and this, this new thing that we're doing as, a, as an outlet for positivity. And uh, I can only think that Mayor Curtis was wondering how he's getting beat by a ex-heroin addict. <laughs> a heroin you know? addict, yeah. <laughs> but it catalysted into this, into this what we have today, which was when those all they all finished and their their families were cheering for them, and they got this feeling of accomplishment. It was that little bit of instant gratification that they got by finishing and getting a medal, and and uh, they were excited to do the next one. But each one of them had an experience by sharing their sobriety and recovery story with other runners. So in Utah County, our perception in Salt Lake <clears throat> County is that Utah County has no 
no, no drug problem. No drug problem whatsoever. And that's not the case. Can no. you enlighten us as to what the challenges Absolutely. are? Absolutely. It's a big challenge about? because of the stigma and because of, the, of what people think an addict and addiction truly is. And so when I created Addict to Athlete, it was to eliminate the stigma of what an addict is. And pretty soon, because we kind of dropped that barrier of the anonymity, because I wanted them to be walking billboards of their sobriety, I wanted them to use it as a, we, we call it, we say, you know, erase and replace. That's more than just health and exercise. That's also service and family and balance, but also to turn your mess into a message. And so while they're out there running under the jersey of Addict to Athlete, they're sharing their recovery with everyone. And we've had a huge impact uh, down there just in, in community service, in, in their health and recreation. And really, the community's rallied around us. It's been kind of amazing. Like, uh, you know, from City League sports, we play softball and basketball, uh, do lots of running, all the way down to, uh, you know, speaking engagements at high schools and all kinds of stuff. So we're trying to, again, just obliterate the stigma of what an addict is because these folks have amazing, amazing stories that need to be shared. Which would be hard to do in, in Utah. I'm not trying to stigmatize Utah County, but, mm -hmm. but uh, it's a fairly conservative county and absolutely heavy, heavily religious. So absolutely. Not, and do, would you guess or would you say that there's a perception out there that if you have a drug or alcohol problem in Utah County, it's because you're weak or? Yeah, I think, I think that's sometimes how it is, especially when you look at what's being abused. You know, it, it's a lot of prescription medications. and, and I've heard that Utah County is yeah. one of the highest counties in the country in that Yeah, regard. well, and it's, it's unfortunate because of that veil and that mask that they wear of trying to be perfect. And, you know, and it happens a lot. So what we've done is we've shown people that with our meetings that we do, we have meetings uh, in almost every, well, from the top of the state all the way to the bottom now, um, and we have people that have addictions and people that don't have addiction to attend. So we want them to learn from each other. And that has helped uh, significantly because now the person that struggles with addiction can help the person that doesn't and vice versa. And so we are starting to eliminate some of that stigma just because of being so open and, and public. But it is. It's a big problem down there because of the mask that they wear. But it's funny you say that. I was actually just released as a bishop about a year ago, and so my congregation knew specifically that I struggled with addictions, and it was very, it was very I've never beneficial heard that for me. Before. I guess that's naivete. And yeah, yeah. You can be a bishop in the church, having been in recovery. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking at one. <laughs> so it helped that. me significantly. We have an exclusive on this podcast. I, you know, sometimes my naivete. Bishop Robinson. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That is, I, I'm. And what it was is, you know, having now almost, well, my last time of using was in 1996. I've learned significant aspects of why we use and, and what we do with it. Um, and, you know, kind of tailored it to my own understanding. But these are the folks that I think they need to hear from are people that have been through those, those situations so that they can share a different insight and they can show that recovery and ultimately healing is possible if you apply the right principles. And that it's not a moral decision, it's a disease. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I and mean, no one chooses to do this. The moral, the, the moral code <laughs> How many has, happy heroin yeah. addicts do you find? Come on, yeah. Yeah. not very many yeah. <laughs> for very long. But that was, that was the thing. And it was funny when we were doing an interview with BYU once, and they found that out because uh, the interviewer asked, well, you know, what does your youth think? And I'm like, they like it because I can help them. I can show them how addictions, you know, plague their lives and whatnot. And... And it's been a real benefit for me to open up in that way spiritually because, you know, it's, it's not worn on your sleeve. It's very much, you know, in the moment and you go from what your heart's telling you is right and what's wrong. And I think that uh, 
we do lose that sometimes. That moral code kind of gets us caught up. Well, and, and it is so interesting in this state, and we talk about this virtually every show, because we're perceived as being an LDS population, we don't have any of the alcohol issues, yeah. and that's not the case at all. No. And then when it comes to prescription drugs, no one wakes up in the morning and decides to get addicted. That's very true. You hurt yourself, your doctor prescribes it, and maybe for maybe for someone who's never had alcohol in their life, the first time you have an Oxycontin or something, mm-hmm. that's a pretty euphoric feeling. Absolutely. It takes away all the pain, not just the physical, yeah. the emotional, yeah. the mental, all that stuff. And that's why it keeps going. And, you know, being in the field for this long, because uh, I've been working in the field for, shoot, almost 15, 16 years, I've seen some it patterns look in all that this old. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I keep running. I see patterns in a lot of this stuff. and You start seeing kind of you know, the substances that people use kind of suppress the behaviors that they're trying to, to exude. So if you're you know, drinking alcohol or you're smoking marijuana, those folks tend to have pretty high levels of depression. The self-medicating thing is a very real thing. And so opiates, if there's real pain there, if there's trauma there, of course they're going to numb it out, you know. And and I look at these things. That's why I love working in the in the world of, of addictions is because once you kind of tease out those secrets of what caused that stuff and get down to the core of it, you don't use it as an excuse anymore to keep going. And so in our in, in, in my practice, what we try to do is help them see the bigger picture of, you know, your, your drug use is a symptom of something deeper. Um, Let's go find out what that is. And so through Addict to Athlete, they can you know, achieve goals and they can do things that they never thought possible. We have several athletes that have become ultra marathon runners. You know, those are, those are anything above 26.2 mile runs. And uh, we've had several that have done 100 milers. And the question I get is, are you erasing addiction and replacing it with addiction? And, and no, you're not. Because Even if it were, it'd be a heck of a be lot better, better right? Yeah, yeah because uh, there's a lot more to it than that. It's not just running, because they don't go for bigger, better, faster, stronger. They go for the journey and who they sure. can inspire and who they can help. Well, with and a, with a running, you have got so many hundreds of hours of training just for that. That race is oh, yeah. just, that's the culmination. That's, Absolutely. That's it's, the candle on the cake. His group is huge now. What are the numbers is. now? Well, it's funny. We started with those six people, and, and by the grace of, of our higher power, we got another another chance to do it again. And pretty soon, it just started to steamroll and get bigger. And pretty soon, uh, we were, we're looking at about nine chapters now from Cache County all the way to St. George and uh, spotted all over in the middle. We are at the Utah State Prison, which is interesting. We have to run a very exclusive 5K with the Conquest program. Uh, it's it's probably not two two miles out and one point six back. No, it's about twenty five laps around the inside <laughs> of their track. Yeah. Okay. But it was awesome to go there. You notice my math skills? I was trying to divide three point one miles in half, and I failed miserably. Well, I'm with you too. That's why I'm that's why I'm a counselor, right? Okay. You don't do math. But uh, it has helped a lot of people, which is still kind of boggling my mind because again, it started. We had a our, our first guest on this program, and this program ended up being tremendous. <clears throat> good luck for her. She was facing a pretty good federal hitch in prison, mm-hmm. but yet had gone to Odyssey House to get clean and sober before going to prison, and it looks like she's not going to have to. Wow. Right. But the people who are preparing for something really bad, mm-hmm. and because of my own alcohol issues, I wonder if I ever got some horrible news, let's say, I had three weeks to live. Yeah. Would I drink? Would I just say the heck with it and drink? And I would hope not. But right. we raise that in AA meetings. I think it's a it's a good topic sometimes. And and a lot of people say, yeah, I would, yeah, I'd I just I'd go to the liquor store and just 
you know, medicate myself too, until I died. Yeah. My, my thought on that, I think initially when I when I got sober the, the last time, uh, was uh, at first I'd say yeah I drink, but now that I've had like going on seven years of sobriety, I I think I I'd like to I, I like life and I like seeing the world, and I don't think I'd like to die just being in a fog. Yeah, and, somewhere. and yeah. a lot of people look at it that in sobriety you see things, you feel things, you emote, you do so many things right. that alcohol or drugs just cover up. Absolutely. You, know, you, you can go through life just, you know, in a perfect 10 when you're higher drunk and a perfect 1 mm -hmm. the rest of the time. Or you can go through it a 6, maybe a 7 is a nice way to go through life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we relate that a lot to our program, especially with some of our endurance runners. And it's funny because they all, I, and I've wondered this, why do so many people that, are, that have had addictions, that are in recovery, how can they suffer through a 24-hour race? You know, one of our biggest ones we've done was the Badwater, uh, you know, it's just 135 miles in Death Valley in, in July. So you which, literally go from below rock bottom to the, top, to the peak of, of Mount Whitney, which is the highest part in, you know, the continental U.S. And the metaphor that that is from coming below rock bottom to reaching that point I say, how can they do this? And it's interesting because I've noticed that the people that, that have had addictions, that struggle, that hurt, that find a way to persevere and get through, that pain of, of, of hearing that jail cell door slam behind you compares nothing to the pain that you're having when your legs are trying to cramp up going up a mountain. They've been through more pain than anything physically they're going to be able to do, and so they, can, they know where to channel it. And so it's been kind of a neat thing to watch them grow and kind of mature in their sobriety by getting very in touch with their, their own way of being and with their own abilities. And it's kind of a neat, inspiring thing to watch when everyone else has counted these guys out and yet they keep crossing these finish lines. It's pretty amazing. The, uh, the idea of being physically healthy while you're in recovery is pretty significant. Odyssey Houses recognize that when we take our clients to Fit to Recover, which is a mm -hmm. Utah's only sober gym, okay? We take them, I think, three times a week. And, it, and, and it's really important. Where is that located? It's, it's uh, off of 9th South and 13th something West. I don't know. It's in an old warehouse and it was set up by people in recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and it becomes, for people in residential recovery, it becomes a highlight of the day to be able to go over there and exercise. But it also, we're recognizing that it, 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 it's, a, it's a basic element of recovery if, if you want to get into the physical health aspect uh, be, while you're making your mind better and everything else that it, that it helps absolutely you know? it does and, and you've got how many teams. several thousand people yeah now? we have we have upwards of three thousand people now um and then that's all throughout the country and whatnot but we have a lot of active programs we just started one in in elko nevada so we're now we're, we're we spilled over the state finally and it's funny because it's still it's a 501c3, but it's really just kind of a hobby we've started. And I've always thought it's going to fizzle out, but it just keeps getting bigger. So we are just how do you find your do funding? It. It's 100% off of donations. Like we don't do any kind of advertising, and we don't make any profit off of this. We put it back into the team because what I've noticed is that uh, when you give back to your community that you used to take from through addictions, um, it gets the, the folks motivated to do more. And so we have a lot of people that, uh, that don't necessarily like to run, and so they do a ton of service. Yeah. yeah. We started a program called Addict to Artist, which is the same principles, only we use art 
as a modality of recovery because that's pretty vulnerable when you're putting your art. By out the way, you just you. That's a big word for the show. Thank you. What just, modality? Yeah. Oh, you just okay. upped our. Good. There we go. M O D A L I T Y. That's right. Look it up. And so we've done that, but then we started what's called the Addict to Athlete Minor League, and that's the 18 year and younger group. And what we found was that our meetings that we have. They're, they're safe. They're good places. We don't, you know, it's just the way the nature of it has, has developed is that it's a safe place to bring your kids. Um, and so we found a need to start bringing, uh, you know, professionals in to help these kids because they're the kids of the, of the addict or the person who's struggling. And um, our minor league, we will help sponsor them for, for, you know, soccer or for football. We had one client that came in, one athlete that came in, and they needed help to get into to football. I didn't realize how much high school football costs for a family member to play as well for $500. And so basically what was said was, hey, we'll, we'll donate this money to you so your son can play, but don't tell him where it came from. You guys do it, but you're gonna be at every game. You're gonna cheer the loudest. You're gonna bring you know the, the, the Kool-Aid at the end. You're gonna be there to, at all of their games, and they did. And it kind of hit me the magnitude of what, it, what the program generates. If that kid didn't get to play because his parents are, are being, you know, they have to pay court fines, they have to pay treatment fines, they have to go to treatment. They have to go to you know, meetings. When do they have time to be a parent? And that, that Friday night is a heck of a celebration deal. for that family. Absolutely. So if they're at the football game watching their kid play Friday night, I know where they're going to be Saturday morning, right? And so that's kind of the mentality that we had. And we just started snowballing until it created this program. It's kind of life of its own. But I, my athletes, the ones that I work with, my, my team captains and my coaches throughout the state, they make me look pretty good. But this is their program. It's not mine. I get to be the face of it because they don't like talking in public, but it's their program. And that's what's neat about it is each chapter that has started has been completely grassroots level. And so just keeps on growing. I know some people uh, in, in who are in his program in, in the Salt Lake area who are just nuts over the program. I mean, every weekend, uh, it's a particular woman. I won't say her name because I don't know whether she wants publicity or not, but she, she posts about running all these like I just took a short run today, and it's a whole bunch of miles, and I, you know, I'm sitting on the couch, looking on <laughs> yeah. Facebook at what she posted, and and, and it, it makes a difference to people who are maintaining recovery. I mean, it's not just, you know, people like in our program going over to FTR. It's people who lifelong uh, want to stay clean and sober. And for many people, the art of exercising, but more importantly, running. You get a high from running. Oh, you do. Absolutely. And it's, it's the endorphins that are released. And what's funny is is there's a treatment modality out there that I've been trained in called EMDR. Um, it helps with trauma. And when those clients were out there running with me and they started telling me all these things about you know life and, and stuff they never told me in my office, I thought it was because we were out in the open and they were just feeling good not being in my office. But what it was was EMDR, left-right brain stimulation. As you're running, as you're exercising, you're processing stuff too. That's why you get in some of these marathons and you see people like push through this stuff and they're crying and stuff it's because they're dealing with life. And uh, so I thought I was creating something new, but I was just putting a, you know, <laughs> another pillar on something that's already been established, but it works really well that way. And that's, that's kind of a neat thing to see how they work out their problems and their emotions. That specific athlete that you're talking about helped us with a project of, of getting a uh, special needs pushing wheelchair for some disabled children that we have on our team. Right. So our team now takes turn to push the, uh, the, the handicapped children so that they can feel that rush of being in a race. And so 
I've learned that as we fundraise and as we do these things, to never underestimate someone that has addiction in their past because they can create things out of nothing. They are the most, they're the most amazing producers I've ever seen. And they raised $6,000 to buy this chair for this, this child that we work with. And it's a good experience to be able to push um, this, this young lady in, in all of our races because she's, she's a, a, a child of, of addiction herself. Her, her parents were addicted and she came out with some pretty heavy handicaps because of it. And so we give back through our leg pushing her. So there's always these metaphors and always this, this constant desire to want to want to do more and want to be more available. I, I was sold. working in TV news when they had that fundraiser and I, I, I think it ended at Pioneer Park and and they had succeeded and, and so they showed the person who was getting the wheelchair the wheelchair and it was like you know it was high emotion they all yeah. finished running they raised all this money and they did a really good thing and you know how can you not feel good about that about yourself and about the team that did it and everything and, and you know that's that's got to be part of recovery just feeling good it's, about it's yourself that, it's that yeah. service aspect that's yeah. so important and we had a guy that was pushing her once and we were going up behind the state capitol and it's kind of steep hills up there sure and he wouldn't let anyone else do it he wanted to do it himself because he felt like he needed to and he got to the top of it he just broke down into tears and i said what's going on here and he says you know what i have my own able-bodied children and i've never done this for them and so he felt that strength of like i've got to do something more for my family if i can do this i can do anything so it's a big part of their their emotional investment to get out of their comfort zones and to do things everyone comes in like like i heard today i'm not a runner and that's what's funny is everyone thinks a runner means you got to be first nah it, we love it when our athletes come in last because you never finish alone the athletes that run in before them go back out just just because and pick up that last person so you never know who would be finishing last because they have a whole team around them so it really I is like it's all grassroots yeah the, the finishing last <laughs> yeah. and when it was funny when i lived here in the 80s they had a beat beethoven 5k run in the early 80s downtown and they had the symphony play beethoven's fifth and you'd try to beat them and, oh my gosh and i went out and i was leading probably 3,000 runners i was leading at a half mile and i was throwing up in the ditch at oh, yeah. 140 yards <laughs> and so the next week there was another race and i decided to start first run start last run last and finish last yeah. and that's hard to do it's not easy to do is it it isn't hard. but that feeling of accomplishment what so if someone wants to get in touch with you how do they do that oh easy we are, we are all over social media um our best way is our website addicttoathlete.org um it's a uh it's a neat thing because we have all of our all of our chapters throughout the state have all of their their, their rec activities everything on our calendar and so team captains and coaches are all listed on our website um, and it's it's addict Roman numeral two or two athlete. Or? Yeah, so it's addict athlete.org. Okay. Yeah. Right. But if you Google us, you can put Roman numeral in there and it'll find us. So what teams do you have in Salt Lake Valley? What do you need a couple old guys for? Oh, heavens, Betsy. We need lots of bodies up there. We need people. Fire the gun at the start. We need those. <laughs> Absolutely. We need those. We will, like I said, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily it has to be about athletics. It has to be about just your willingness to, to, to get to know these people, um, to cheer for them, to support them, to uh, you know, call attention to, to the movement. Just by being present with these folks, I've noticed it's an absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, a lot of times it's, it's going in there and sharing your story and letting them know that they're not alone and they're doing it for a reason and for purpose. Um, helping them turn their mess into a message means they've got to hear your messages so that they can strengthen their own. 
And so once you're part of Addict to Athlete, whether you are an Olympian or whether you're a couch potato, you're part of the team. And that's the beauty of it is we have personal trainers. That's what they call themselves. They're not licensed personal trainers, but we call them that in lieu of sponsors. And so what they do is if someone's struggling, they don't just call. They go get them and they go for a hike. They go for a run. They go play you know, batting cages. They do these things so they can you know, erase and replace. And so the community support is, is phenomenal with anyone that wants to come share their story with them, you know, be invested in, in giving time. It's the biggest thing for them. That's fantastic. What yeah. a great message. It's fun. And, and you welcome donations. Oh, yeah, yes. we do. That kind of helps. We're getting big. Yeah, we kind of need some more. So <laughs> money. we have some information at the bottom of the screen on that very subject. Very good. So we've got your phone number, name, and website down at the bottom of the screen. If you feel like you can help, you can coach, you know someone who needs to be on the team. Absolutely. And God bless if you had a few dollars to throw in that direction. Yes. That yeah. is amazing. And help and, a lot. Uh, we just finished our Angels Hands Foundation hockey tournament. Oh, we raised a lot of money for Angels Hands. And, you know, to have athletes <clears throat> around the community to help out, oh, be it yeah. children's illness to whatever, athletes are, are very, very apt to help. But more importantly, mm -hmm. if you're suffering and you can get out and work out each day, you feel better. You feel better. Yeah. And that's one thing that we do. We, I mean, part of it is running and exercising, but we want to give back to our communities. And so when there are events like that, like the hockey tournament, or there are 5Ks that are nonprofit where we can give, bring 50 to 60 athletes, you know, each paying $10 a piece to run the race, right. that's a significant increase. So by requirement, each month we run one of those or participate in something nonprofit so we can give back to the community that, that they once took from. So we're looking to do these these events too. So if you have any good events, reach out to us because we'd love to bring our, our, our troops with us. Did, did you get help from Mayor John Curtis uh, when he saw what was happening? <clears throat> it was funny because right after that race finished, Saturday, Sunday rolled by, Monday morning I got a call from my boss and he said, come talk to me about your team. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> they did something trouble. dumb, right? Uh, Mayor Curtis had actually contacted our county commissioners and the county commissioners reached out and found me and said, whatever this is, Mayor Curtis was very impressed with it. Keep it going. So maybe that, we'll have to dial in a, a favor one of these days because he's moved up in office too. Yes, so. he has. Mm -hmm. You should yep. ask him for some federal funding. Now he may not know like how that. influential he was <laughs> to the beginning and the foundation. Wow. Of this but he probably didn't enjoy that first tap on his. No, body. he probably didn't. Yeah, I don't. Still don't understand why, but it was good. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks for so My much pleasure. for coming on. My pleasure. Appreciate Thank it. you for having me. What a Thank great you. organization, Randall. You. I keep finding all these. See, what you don't understand, and the more I've worked at Odyssey House, I, I've become involved with the recovery community, and there's just so many thousands of people working in the recovery area. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just people at some place like Odyssey House, it's people like this, or the person we interviewed earlier from Utah State's Extension Service, which I would have never known. If I, you know, and... and, and and we're going to have more guests like this from weird areas of life that you might not... Th when you think of recovery, you think of somebody going into rehab and not drinking or not using for a given period of time, and hopefully it'll last for a lifetime. But there's all these other peripheral people who are in groups and organizations that are working on recovery. Yeah. And speaking of recovery, if you have some questions, you have someone you know or love who's involved with addiction, be it alcohol or drugs... It's very simple to call this number on your screen, and that's for Odyssey House. And Odyssey House is a recovery center. That is an amazing group. And since I've met 801-322-3222.
He's got it down. He, even he, at my age, I can remember a number. Third week on the job, he had that thing memorized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But Odyssey House has some amazing people to talk to. And if you want to talk to Randall, he is a great guy. We met over at the AA Central office, and yep. this show was a result of that. But there are so many people out there who want to help. And if you have a problem, the second you ask someone for help, it's not just your problem. It's their problem as mm -hmm. well. And these people want to help. And so... Great show. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank well, you. Randall and I will will change into our, our running outfit. Let's go. Uh, I've got an appointment I've got to go to. You're run to your appointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll walk slowly to the car. But we really enjoyed this. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for watching.